Happy New Year's, everyone! Welcome to 2020—a new year, a new decade, and perhaps a new thought. My name is Sydney Alvarez, and you are listening to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast about everything related to energy. I would like to introduce you to our co-host, Anne Marie Corbelis. Hey, Anne Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, Sydney. It's great to be here.、Uh, thank you. You know, today's topic—it's our top six energy trends. For 2020 and how they affect the energy industry, you, our listeners, and more importantly, your bottom line, your wallet. And you know, Sid, there's already been some debate about whether 2020 is in fact the start of a new decade or just the end of the old one. But we don't have to decide that today. We'll let our listeners decide. Absolutely. What 2020 is certainly going to be is a turning point in the evolution of our energy industry. The 20s. I think could be dubbed the energy twenties. You see, you got battery storage, electric vehicles, renewables, so on and so on. So let's find out what's true. To help explain the top six energy trends for 2020, we are joined by Matt Ketchke, Senior Vice President of Con Edison's Customer Energy Solutions. Welcome to the show, Matt. It's great to be here. What's the big picture here? Are we in an energy revolution? Well, I certainly think things are changing and changing quickly around energy.、Um, not a day goes by where you don't look at a story in the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or one of the other papers where people are talking about how much is changing around energy, how much is going on with renewable energy, with decarbonization, with things like offshore wind. So there's definitely a lot changing. So Matt,、uh, I want to dive into our very first trend. Okay, discussions on climate change. And、uh, what this means to the energy industry. So, Con Edison partnered with Columbia University、um, to do a study on the effects of climate change on our energy system. And what this study、uh, concluded was that Con Edison's electric, gas, and steam systems are all subject to increased flooding from coastal storms, obviously because of climate effects. While the electric system is also challenged during high periods of heat. So what's all this about? Is this about resiliency, or is it about being good environmental stewards? What's going on here? I think it's both.、Um, so as we think about what that climate change study meant, it really looked at where is the climate in the New York City area going over the next twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, hundred years, and what that study found was that temperatures are going to continue to rise. Um, and that sea levels will continue to rise, and we're going to have more intense storms and potentially more days of high heat, and all of those potentially、uh, put stress on our energy delivery systems.、Um, and it also means that we need to think about how the systems that we operate and energy deliver impacts the environment overall. What do carbon emissions look like, and how do we work with the state policy objectives of reducing the amount of carbon emissions from the state? So where do we start with this? It's it sounds like there's a whole bunch of things that need to be done. Where where do we start? Well, part of where we start is looking at what the the near term potential impacts. And and after Sandy, we made a lot of improvements to our energy delivery systems to harden them against storms, and those have paid off as we've seen smaller storms come through with with less impact.、Um, it's monitoring what the climate science says and and how quickly we need to make adaptations to our system to make sure that we can continue to deliver reliable energy to folks. Um, and it's working with the state on the decarbonization goals and getting away from carbon-based energy, fossil fuel-based energy,、mm-hmm. and moving to renewable energy. So, what can our what can our customers expect? So, I, I think one is you're going to begin to see a transition away from energy produced from fossil fuels in the state. 
So the state passed a law in 2019 um, called the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Uh, that law puts a state on a path of reducing carbon emissions um, by 90 percent um, by 2050 and really looking to take carbon dioxide out of the electric production sector. It means that the energy we get will come from renewables going forward. You know, so uh, I want to go into our second trend, and that's a discussion. You just brought it up. Renewables, uh, energy and technology, solar, wind, battery storage, energy efficiency. I did a very informal and unscientific Instagram poll, and 90% uh, of people voted that, yes, renewable energy is a trend and something we need to look at. 10% said no. What would you say to those 10%? Well, I'd say for the 10%, they may not be paying attention a lot to things that are in the media. Not uncommon. I think a lot of people um, like to use energy. Energy drives our days, it drives our lives every day. But we often don't think about where it comes from unless we're energy geeks like us who are in the industry. Um, but for those 10%, I think it's, it's definitely changing. Um, renewables are coming, um, and they're going to be part of the supply mix. You know, I, I want to jump into um, right now when it comes to renewables, technology, Prices are competitive, technology is advancing and available. It all seems like the elements are aligning for success. Is this the case? It is, uh, and that's, I think, why you're seeing more and more renewables coming on. Um, it's going to be a technical problem, though, as we continue to move along, um, because renewables are great in that they produce energy without making carbon dioxide, but in many cases, they are not dispatchable. And what do I mean by dispatchable? It means they're really only available for solar when the sun's shining, for um, wind when the wind is blowing. So we still need to figure out how we get the energy exactly when we need it. That's how storage is going to be part of this mix and equation. Um, but storage technology isn't quite there yet to fill in all the needs that we're going to have around dispatchable energy. So there's still a lot of it's it's getting there, but there's still some technical problems to solve. What one of the very interesting things is Con Edison's role over the years in helping customers adopt new technology. Um, I did a little research before we sat down, and in 1939, Con Edison did an old ice box roundup. Mm -hmm. And in four months, they had over 82,000 customers upgrade from their ice box to an automatic refrigerator. Um, what do you think about Con Edison's role in helping people adopt technology? Is that an important part when it comes to um, renewables? Absolutely. I think it's a critical part of our business. I mean, our, our main business is running our electric, gas, and steam systems. But a big piece of that, an increasingly important part of that is interfacing with our customers, helping our customers think about how they use energy, how they can use energy more efficiently, how they can use new devices um, like you talk about ice boxes, ice storage. We have helped customers install ice storage to help them smooth out their energy usage in the summertime. So what they can do with <laughs> ice storage is they will um, make ice in the middle of the night in the summertime when electricity demands are lower. And then they use that ice during the day when electricity demands are higher to cool their building. Um, one of our biggest customers that did that is actually the Google building that's at the under, other end of 14th Street from our offices here. Wow, it make, makes total sense. It, you know, you kind of, you brought this up. Uh, talking about storage. So is, is 2020 of the year of the battery? I think 2020 is definitely the start of maybe not the year of the battery, but probably a decade of the battery. 
um, the conversation around batteries has been increasing. In 2019, um, the state ordered the utilities in New York State to um, procure 350 megawatts of battery storage. Um, and they gave the bulk of that to Con Ed and Orange and Rockland. So Con Ed has 300 megawatts, Orange and Rockland has 10 megawatts. And we've been out actively soliciting with developers to uh, bring those battery projects online. You know, um, Con Edison, through its uh, subsidiaries, uh, and family of companies were the second largest producers of solar energy, correct? Correct. What does this mean to our New York customers? So for now in New York, not a lot. Um, we do have a lot of experience, but we haven't been able to use that experience in the New York area. So really all of our storage projects that are in our unregulated businesses are outside of New York. We've advocated with the state that you should allow us to bring that skill set home and develop large-scale renewables in-state um, as part of a regulated business as well. Let's let's chat about energy efficiency for a minute. Sure. How important is that to our customers and to Con Edison? So we think energy efficiency is extremely important. Um, it's a little weird. When I tell people what I do for a living and I work for an electric company, and then I tell them that one of the most important parts of my job is working with energy efficiency or essentially getting customers to use less of our product, they do give me a little bit of a sideways look. You know, that makes me laugh. I think we're one of the only industries that want people to use less of our product. Yeah, and it is. It is true. We really encourage our customers to use less of our product and to use energy efficiently. Um, our energy efficiency programs are critical. Um, they really are critical to how the state is going to meet the long-term goals of decarbonization because uh, a kilowatt hour of energy you don't use is a kilowatt hour of energy you don't need to produce and you don't need any carbon to produce a kilowatt hour of energy you don't use. So it really is one of the best ways of thinking about lowering carbon emissions um, and also uh, saving money for customers. Going to follow up on that, you really see that, especially during the summer, right? So in the summer, energy efficiency programs, customers that are utilizing these, you're saving money, right? But you're also protecting the energy grid. Yep, you are. So uh, particularly with summertime energy efficiency, you can lower the peak demand. So things like changing your air conditioner with a more efficient air conditioner can lower demands on peak days. It's a win-win-win. So it's a win for the customer to reduce their bills. It's a win for the grid to reduce the stress on the grid. And it's also a win for the environment. Yep, it is. It's a win-win-win. So I want to go to our energy trend number three. Okay, and this has to do with artificial intelligence, AI. Going back to my really fancy unscientific Instagram poll, 44% um, said yes, artificial intelligence should be uh, an energy trend. 56% said no, artificial intelligence is not an energy trend, it has nothing to do with energy. What do you have to say to that? So I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot of question of what does artificial intelligence or AI really mean? So what is AI? AI is using computer power um, and computing power that has become increasingly powerful and increasingly cost effective or cheap using things like cloud computing to take large volumes of information, analyze that and give recommendations about what the best actions to take would be. So if you think about that for us, that really goes to our smart meter program. Mm -hmm. In the process of blowing 4.4 million smart meters, all of our customers will have very granular information about how they're using energy. Well, taking all that information, no human could process that. You need AI, you need computing power to look at that, to make recommendations on what we do with that information, what customers do with their energy, what's a good recommendation for a certain customer to do around how they use energy. 
Is AI part of the energy industry business model? I think it is. So, you know, the energy industry business model has shifted. You know, we've talked about renewables, which are intermittent. They produce energy when the sun's shining, the wind's blowing. We've talked about distributed energy resources, things like batteries at customers' homes or rooftop solar. And where the old energy industry model really was big central power plants and energy that flowed out towards customers, it was essentially a one-direction system. It was like a highway flowing in a one-way street, flowing away from the generating station to the customer. The new energy industry really is shifting to a number of distributed resources and intermittent resources. And that looks a whole lot less like a one-way highway and more like crosstown traffic in midtown Manhattan, where you have- Okay, you're energy. freaking me out, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. You have energy coming and going in a number of different directions at different times. Um, and how do you balance that out? You know, think about Midtown if there were no traffic control signals. You'd have gridlock. Right. We don't like gridlock. Absolutely so the not. the smooth flow of energy in the future really will depend on having information and control. And that's a lot of what AI is. The use of AI is really giving customers control of their energy use, yep. right? The use of AI. So one example of AI would be um, smart thermostats. Smart thermostats that integrate through the internet to cloud computing that give customers the ability to control how they're using energy depending on a number of factors, if they're home, if they're not, when they might be home, what the weather looks like going forward, what energy prices potentially are in a coming period. All of those things stitched together and then decisions around how customers use energy, potentially decisions not that they're making by turning the thermostat up or down, mm -hmm. but based on how they may have set their device for what they'd want it to do, those are kinds of AI. And let's move on to trend four, which is electric vehicles. Um, we are looking at adopting more electric vehicle technology into the grid, um, and that presents challenges for us. Can you talk about uh, EVs in general and what incentives we have for our customers? Sure. So electric vehicles really are one of those things that I think as we start um, the next decade here are going to get more and more attention. Um, today, um, about 2% of sales of new vehicles in New York are electric vehicles. That's up from less than 1% the year before and less than a half. So it's been doubling almost every year. Um, so there's definitely a lot of attention around electric vehicles, customers who are interested in electric vehicles. Part of what we're doing is to help facilitate adoption by putting new charging infrastructure out there, essentially charging stations. So we've worked with the city of New York. We're going to put some curbside charging around the five boroughs um, so that customers can have access to charging. And we've also worked with um, the state on developing programs that would incentivize customers not just to charge, but to charge smart, essentially charge at night. So we can give a rebate to customers if they charge in the off hours when demands for energy are lower. Okay, Matt, I, I want to bring up uh, our fifth trend security of our energy system, of the energy grid. Uh, not only do we have to think about physically protecting our energy facilities, but also cyber awareness. Is this now the new norm? Absolutely. Uh, the protection of our grid and how it operates is, is critical. So we've talked a little bit about kind of this concept of artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, the idea that there are more and more controllable devices out there in the world that customers will use to control their energy, how they charge their electric vehicle, how they um, use a smart thermostat, maybe how they have a battery at their house if they have solar on their house. So all of these devices, they share something in common. They're connected through the Internet. Internet. And all of them have the potential to be breached through a cyber threat. 
Um, and that threat runs all the way up from those grid edge technologies that we interface the customer on all the way through to the systems that we use to control our, our bulk energy systems. You know, I, I got to bring up our unscientific uh, Instagram poll again. And uh, according to the survey that we did, 70% of people thought that protecting the energy grid is of great importance. 30% said no. What would you say to those 30%? Well, I, I would hope that the 30% aren't folks that work here. Everybody who works at Con Ed knows how important um, the security of our systems is. Um, that's why we do things like uh, drills across the industry, things like the GridX drill that we conducted last year, which was not just a national but an international drill where we looked at how we secure our energy systems both um, in New York and across the country. So moving on to trend six, geothermal heat pumps. What is a geothermal heat pump and how does it work? Okay, so what is a geothermal heat pump? A geothermal heat pump is a device that uses the energy that's essentially in the ground. So if you've ever noticed that the ground in the summertime, if you go into a basement, mm -hmm. tends to be cooler in the summer than the outside. And if you go into one in the winter, it tends to be warmer. In other words, the, the earth, the ground, retains a certain amount of heat in the summer, um, cool in the summer, uh, heat in the winter time. So a heat pump takes advantage of that, essentially by using a loop of water that goes down into the ground and taps into essentially the, the ambient temperature of the ground and draws that out with a device that kind of works a lot like an air conditioner. It actually is an air conditioner right. in the summertime that doesn't exhaust the hot air back out in outside. It exhausts it in the ground. In the winter, it draws warmth out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, they're much more efficient than other forms of heating. Can we talk about costs a little bit? I mean, to me, when I think of this geothermal technology, um, I'm associating it, associating it to what solar was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. It, was, it was costly. It's very similar. So today, geothermal systems are more expensive than other heating options. Um, and that presents a bit of a problem for customers. So even if they wanted to adopt it, it's more expensive. So to help that, we are offering incentives to help lower the cost of a geothermal system so that they would see a, a payback from its more efficient operation mm -hmm. in just a couple of years. Thanks so much for being a guest today, Matt. Um, and just to wrap up, what are your takeaways? What are the big takeaways for 2020? So thanks again for having me. I think for 2020, it's going to be a very, very busy year. Um, I think a big part of 2020, we're going to be continuing the conversation around the state around decarbonization and how we reduce carbon emissions. Um, it's going to be conversations around heat pumps and how we think about making heat pumps more and more cost effective for our customers to adopt. And last, I think it's going to be a continuing conversation around electric vehicles. I think we're going to see more and more electric vehicles running around the streets in New York. Awesome. Awesome. Matt, thank you very much for being on the show. We truly appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Again, that was Matt Ketchke, Senior Vice President of Con Edison's Customer Energy Solutions. Uh, that's our show. Thanks for joining us. If you have a thought or a question about the program, you can send an email to podcast at conned.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, you can follow us on our social platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Our handle is at Con Edison. I'm Sydney Alvarez. And I'm Anne-Marie Corbelis. If you want more information about anything discussed on today's podcast, go to our website, coned.com. Have a great 2020. And thanks for listening. Until next time, feliz año nuevo y adios.